the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Visit their new location at 224 West King Street, Martinsburg, and online at suttonandjanelle.com. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nicewarner and Marsha Kabalik. It is Wednesday the 17th, and you are tuned in to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm, Swing West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs, family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, mediation. They provide legal counsel tailored to you. You can visit their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsha Kavalik. Present. There we go. It's musical <laughs> chairs in here. Everybody kind of rushing in at the beginning of the show. What am I rolling chair? Otherwise, I'm too too short. That's true. I know. I like this chair because you can kind of pump it up a little further than the uh, the last one I had in here, but that was broken. So what are you going to do? Programming note, after we interview our first fabulous guests, we're going to have the um, Division of Natural Resources Police on Ooh. the bottom of the hour to talk about how to not get shot while you're out hunting. Those are the guys that always make you a little nervous when you're out fishing as a kid and you might not have your license on you. That never happens to me. <laughs> no, yeah, definitely hadn't happened to me either. But <laughs> our first guests are joining us in studio. Did we start our show with a lie? <laughs> our first guest joining us in studio is Martinsburg City Manager Mark Baldwin and Assistant City Manager uh, Andy Blake. How y'all doing this morning? Good morning. morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on this uh, cold Wednesday. I'm sorry, my script is on the printer. Can it's I, okay. I just feel so naked. We always have a better one. You know? That's we, right. We really do. Thank you That's for right. going <laughs> off script for us. Well, lots going on, of course, in the city of Martinsburg. Uh, some very conspicuous improvements already on Martin Street. And I know you brought Andy in uh, to kind of let us know some of the things that are happening behind the scenes. So uh, mm. what's going on? Yeah, well, as you mentioned, we talk about this every month. The, the project status is that those projects are still ongoing and being completed, looking at new projects, improvements, public improvements. Martin Street, East Martin Street parking lot being that wrapped up. That parking lot up. looks nice. Yeah, South Georgia Avenue, South Alabama wrapping up, uh, buttoning up for the winter, come back in the spring and do some work. Mm-hmm. Underpass, we're still reviewing the bid. Uh, so we got a lot of projects we're still in, in the works with. But you're right, I brought Andy in. Um, Andy's been with the city now for over a year, year and a half. He's a jack of all trades, isn't he? Um, well, Andy comes with a very, very um, you know good background for the mm-hmm. city of Martinsburg. Uh, attorney by trade. There you go. Um, was a city manager in, in Ranson for for several years, and their attorney. Mm-hmm. So um, you're talking about having a great um, individual and asset for myself and the city and mayor and council. Um, you know, he's he's a sharp guy. So I brought him in today because we had some time. The mayor wasn't available this morning. Right, he's, he's out traveling and. And Andy's doing a lot of things behind the scenes with with some technology with various departments, you know, assisting me assisting me with all those projects we talk about. Yeah, we're 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 all over the place. But I thought it'd be interesting to hear his perspective on some things he's doing. Well, Andy, go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. That was a nice little intro there from Mark. Well, good morning. Thanks good morning. For having me. Thanks for first, being here. First of all, I want to stand up for the DNR. My father-in-law was a, 
national. Always have to be careful what you say. That's why I brought him for 37 years. And he was one of those law enforcement guys. Now, notice he said his father-in-law. Yes. So I feel like that kind of is something that he might have had to say there. I did have to say that. Wow. But I love my father-in-law, so I'll stand up. Those guys are good guys. Absolutely. Anyway, safe out there. Yes. As Mark was saying, this is kind of a in a weird way, a return for me. I actually started my career at Bulls Rice. Mm-hmm. And about a year after I was a rookie lawyer, um, the Martinsburg's Planning Commission, Board of Zoning Appeals, lawyer and prosecutor resigned. And they came to me and said, would you like to, I was a young associate, said, would you like to do this? And, you know, when you're a young associate, you say, yeah. And wow. I had no idea really what I yeah, was doing. Yeah, you say yes when they ask you. <laughs> But I learned real quick. So I was really Martinsburg, one of Martinsburg's lawyers for three years. So this is kind of a return, and I've really enjoyed the last 18 months. Say, so how are you getting along? Well, other than the boss sometimes can be hard <laughs> to deal with. No, it's great. I really enjoy it. There's a lot of things going on here, a lot of exciting things. Martinsburg's really in the middle of a, uh, of a transformation. It really is. Uh, I moved here in the mid-'90s with the uh, – you know, the stuff going on downtown, the redevelopment of Foxcroft Avenue, the new announcement of Interwoven, which is just ginormous. Huge. Yeah, huge. that's really cool. Ginormous. I mean, for 20 years, I've gone by there, along with a lot of other people saying, if only. Mm-hmm. And now the if only is going to happen, and it's going to make an incredible impact on, on the city. And, and that is a result of a lot of work and a lot of effort over many years from many people. You know, economic development's very much a team effort from the sanitation worker to the head guy the first thing that you know you never know who's going to drive through your town mm-hmm. and they want to make sure it's clean they want to make sure it's safe you have good infrastructure good utilities the council gets along that there's no bureaucracy it really is a team effort to get quality economic development and i think martinsburg's proven that that it can it can land the the big fish well, speaking of big, uh, you know, a lot of big money has been coming down the federal pipeline, more to come. Um, so what part do you play in in helping, you know, assure that those dollars get spent, you know, where they need to be? I know there's been uh, an effort to get some of the, the public input. Uh, so where where does the city of Martinsburg stand there? I'll, I'll let Andy pipe in. Um, I mean, the first thing is there's a lot of rules, regulations, policies. It's great that you we have an, an attorney mm-hmm. that's, that's that's you know um, certified to practice law and you know it's it's registered and has his you know, license to do law in West Virginia. Even though we have a full time attorney that guides us and that's the final say, but being able to review agreements and policies, procedures in house, we get a lot of things done quicker. So you know Andy can help real quick of of looking at those as we're looking at projects, and I'll let him explain his role. Well, you know, a lot of people say this is a once in a generation. Uh, effort to for the federal government to bring money to local governments but actually if local governments in the county and the state can prove that this is a model it actually should be the routine not the once in a generation you know prior and this is before me when i was probably watching sesame street but prior <laughs> pri- you know back in the 19 mid 1880 mid 1980s say 1880s goodness 19 <laughs> don't date yourself that we had federal revenue sharing and we would directly get funds from the federal government and that ended in the in the mid 1980s and this is really the first time since then that there has been a significant tranche of money that has come from the federal government to localities and i think that there are all very there are a lot of competent local governments that are ready to show that this shouldn't be a one off 
uh, item. This should be a routine that that local governments know how to spend money the best on their local on the local level. What then are the priorities? Because you know Martinsburg has proven itself the the city management to be pretty fiscally responsible, running at a, a surplus most of the time mm-hmm. um, in in recent years. What then become the the spending priorities for a big pot of money like this? Sure, that big pot of money that's coming our way is about nine million dollars, um, and there's there's you know there's Treasury has guidance on how to use those dollars. Well, Martinsburg is you know, chosen the guidance out of that, that we're going to get our money very quickly, then it's ours to divvy out um, as we see fit per se. But we're trying to stay within the confines of that guidance. So council's already um, budgeted about $7.2 million of $9 million for water, sewer, stormwater, public improvements, police, fire, EMS um, expenditures um, that we've already budgeted and set aside for the next, you know, one, two, three years of purchasing over the, you know, as we go out to bid and, and do, you know, those items, so so forth. Um, there's some money left on the table for, you know, the community businesses that we're going through grant applications right now and review that we can divvy out some money to the community where it fits into the, that guidance. Again, we're speaking with uh, Martinsburg City Manager Mark Baldwin and Assistant City Manager Andy Blake, uh, speaking about all the money that's coming in and where it's going to start being divvied out. But it seems like uh, you've had a pretty good jump start on a lot of these uh, improvements and infrastructure improvements. And then uh, I guess if you keep on the same track, it looks like you're going to have a lot. Well, I won't say a lot of that money, but a portion of that money that you can spend on, you know, the what they say, the way of life type of sure. well, the human quality, infra- of life. Yeah, quality sure. of life, human infrastructure, oh, human type infrastructure. Of stuff. Yeah. Here's your political buzzword you for it. Yeah. yeah. We were very careful. I think there's one project that, that we put in this new pot of money that really hadn't started construction yet. Everything that's in this new money is, are things that were either being considered for design um, or going out to bid. It's new. So we didn't shift a lot of dollars. So mm-hmm. it's, it's new things coming down the pike that, that we can do very quickly that maybe we had to wait a few more years to get those dollars and funds available and, and get those improvements completed. We also have ability, we think, another tranche of money that the president just signed with mm-hmm. the infrastructure bill. And, um, you know, we hope and we're hopeful, you know, Mark funding has been a, a topic of debate over the years. And we saw Senator uh, Manchin's editorial in the paper saying that part of that infrastructure bill would provide more funding for Mark. So um, we're trying to look into that more. We're, we're thankful if that's the case, because that has been a very big driver for economic development in the city of Martinsburg, including the new Shenandoah interwoven and other, and especially in the middle of uh, the pandemic where people decided that they did not have necessarily go to the office to mm-hmm. work and they could choose to live anywhere they wanted right. to. And we're really trying to take advantage of that. So we're hoping the infrastructure bill did solve that ongoing problem and provide some certainty, not just one year of funding, mm-hmm. but multiple years of funding so we can actually market that and feel comfortable and confident that we can market it without it being pulled under the rug from us. Because it seemed like for a while there, every year it was in danger of being taken away because um, Maryland needed more money from us. And the, you know, the legislature would try to, you know, ask the different municipalities impacted for more cash. But if there was an infusion of money that would make that more solid, uh, that would be yeah, sure helpful. Yeah, the, the the new you know the developers of the interwoven they're aware of the Mark train and its advantages, and they're also aware of you know the pandemic and you know slowing down a little bit of that travel. But they're also aware of the funding issue, so they're still coming. They're still confident that'll work out. But that that plays into their marketing mm-hmm. of those units because they they want to put some sure. residential units in there. Absolutely. 
Yeah. yeah, and that Mark train, uh, I think it's such a draw. I mean, this is a very small sample size, but a lot of my friends, once we got out of school, everybody moved to D.C., Baltimore, uh, and have lived down there for a few years. But then once pandemic hit, like you said, Mark, people started working from home and didn't have to go to work every day, and they didn't want to have to spend that D.C., Baltimore money to live. So they've all moved out here to Martinsburg and in Berkeley County, and one of those reasons was because of the Mark train for when they do have to start going back to work once, twice, three times a week. Uh, they don't have to worry about sitting in traffic. They can just hop on the train. It's pretty cheap and just... Uh, go down for the day. So I think that is a huge, you know, plus to having the community. Yeah. Absolutely. So how much, if any of this pot of money can go to things like public safety, because we can build beautiful buildings mm. and we can have, you know, a lot of rental units, but you know, we, this region is just um, inundated with uh, addiction issues and the related crime that comes with that. So are there any fixes there? We, we, we funded or have allocated funds for police and fire, um, more, more or less for their capital needs, new vehicles, equipment, supplies, um, and so forth. Uh, some of the things you're talking about are some of those other dollars set aside that if those entities that are nonprofits providing those services, they can make the grant application. And, and that's we, ongoing, right? Yes. And if we can assist with some of those dollars for, for their services and programs, that can be evaluated. It was good news when we had Chief uh, George Swartwood mm -hmm. in, and he said, you know, he's almost at capacity yeah. as far as being able to recruit yeah. uh, good police officers. Right, especially since uh, what was a few months ago, over the summer he came in and said that he was desperate for mm -hmm. new yeah. police officers. We, we just looked at that this morning, by the way. Um, we are 204 employees strong, and I think we're at like 192 or 195. We're like 90, almost 95% staffed for the city yes wow and, and and most of those vacancies are in you know you know police there might mm -hmm. be five but i think two of those are dispatchers or one's dispatcher maybe three officers i think we're really like two down three officers down which is good mm -hmm. for a staff of 50 it right. helps that george swartwood can sweet talk the folks down <laughs> yeah. at the academy <laughs> so. and get folks fast track yeah i feel like he'd be a tough guy to uh negotiate no with yeah. yeah it can be charming too like yeah. not just like the whole police thing but like and that be... booming voice uh -huh. would probably be able to shake you down a little bit yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah we've been speaking with city manager mark baldwin martinsburg city manager mark baldwin and assistant city manager andy blake now unfortunately we have to get uh to our first break of the day but thanks for stopping in this morning seems like uh there's a lot of money coming down the pike but it seems like you guys know what you're going to do with it uh, and are going to spend it wisely i have to ask andy a question how much of the social media are you behind in the city? Because <laughs> you've been doing a great job. A great deal. I, I, I don't know. I'm like the wizard behind the uh -huh, okay, We're not, not supposed to know. That. I will say, I know you have to go to break, but um, not only are we trying to attract economic development, but we're also trying to make it easier to conduct business with the citizens that we already have. So whether or not it's more online access to uh, paying your utility and water bills, which we encourage you to do, or uh, applying for building permits online, which we're doing the soft rollout. You know, we're, we're trying to make it more accessible for the public. So thanks for having us. Absolutely. Again, Martinsburg City Manager Mark Baldwin and Assistant City Manager Andy Blake. Thanks for stopping in this morning. Good get. Absolutely. And stick around for more here on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Here are your hosts, Jordan Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton & Janelle, full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs. You can visit 
their historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at SuttonEngineL.com. I'm Jordan Ice Warner. Alongside me is Marsh Kavalik. If you missed it before the break, we had Martinsburg City Manager Mark Baldwin and Assistant City Manager Andy Blake in, who was uh, taking the place of the mayor that was absent today from our show. So I uh, appreciate Andy Blake coming in. He was great. He was, uh, he was perfect. Yeah. yeah. Andy Blake, he's awesome. And so is uh, City Manager Mark Baldwin. Good so. youthful energy Absolutely. up in here. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm wondering if we can get any of the, those federal drawdown dollars to like refab a historic radio station. Wouldn't that be awesome? It, it or would at least be get awesome. you some curtains. Would be awesome. Uh, <laughs> our sister station, WXDC, I uh, went to their old brick and mortar mm-hmm. station on, uh, go figure, radio, radio station, station road, <laughs> uh, radio station road out uh, in Berkeley Springs. And that is the coolest old radio station building did you take pictures yeah i do have a picture okay i want to see the coolest old radio building it's exactly what you would think in your mind's eye of a um old like radio station and it's awesome it's out there in the woods it's kind of hidden back in there it's perfect that's awesome i would i would totally go out there and uh hang out and hang out for sure but this is a cool station too i like this place yeah i I know people get a little upset that you know it's a little loud and creaky sometimes when you're walking around but I think it's a cool. We get that random ghost noise. I don't know what that is. That a little clicking in here. Well, I'm just glad up. that everybody else is hearing it now, and it's not just me, <laughs> so people don't think I'm going insane. <laughs> like we were all gaslighting you. Like, yeah, you, well, everybody was. I'd come in here and I was losing my mind, and then I'd be like, "Well, wait, stand here a second, and you'll hear it." And then, of course, it, it wouldn't do anything. I heard it yesterday. I know. I'm very happy. I heard, you heard it a heard couple it of times yesterday. Um, yeah. Speaking of yesterday as well, I I took part in the the um, lunchtime walkabout for our Slay the Holidays. Oh, that is so cool. He showed me a picture of that. Wow. Yeah, the old WXDC building. It's pretty that's, neat. That's pretty standard issue. Mm-hmm. Classic radio station. That's so neat. You didn't try to get in? Oh, we got in. Okay. Yeah, we definitely got in. We had a key, though. Okay. Oh, it seems you like other people may in. have gotten in without a key in the past however mm-hmm. many years. It's been kind of abandoned up there. But uh, yeah, it's cool. You could definitely... It w- I mean, of course, it's going to take the money to redo it with all... I mean, everything's computers now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it wouldn't be too hard. It's got it's got nice bones, as they say. Yeah, a little radio clubhouse. That would be cool. Yeah, but it'd be tough to get out there in the winter. So, uh, you know, we did our little walkabout. You were mm-hmm. you were busy. You've been doing a lot of prep work, trying to get ready for basketball. That's right. We have Shepherd University basketball right here on WEPM and WCST. Starting uh, well, tip off is at seven. Uh, Shepherd's Today. taking on. Yep, tonight. Uh, Shepherd's going up into the mountains. Go figure into the snow Why? up in Frostburg uh, to play Why? Frostburg to get the season started. Of course, it'll be right here on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network, all season long. And they've been having snow up there. Oh, there's tons of snow up there. Of course, basketball is indoors, so it's not really yeah. a factor, except if people can't get there. But um, And when you're going to Frostburg, it doesn't matter what time of year it is. could be June. It could be April. It could be December. You're always expecting snow. Right. That oh, might sound ridiculous, but it's the truth. <laughs> I've seen snow up there, I feel like, all year, every time of season. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Pretty Christmas trees, though. It's pretty. But real quick, how was your? How was the walk? It was you good. I loved it. Isn't it nice? Yeah. Get the and, nice and, crisp air. Yeah, and I think uh, as before the show, I checked because you told me to check, and we were number one. <laughs> we are number one on the Slay the Holidays. Uh, uh, what, what do you want to call it? Competition? I don't know if it's actually a competition, but it's just fun to see our our name up there. It is nice. Radio yeah, active. we are number one. You are number see. one as an athlete, too, right? 148 miles. We're beating playing and slaying. Okay. By eight miles. But yeah. So there you go. There's your uh, uh, 
update. WVRC Media uh, health update for you. <laughs> and stick around world more here on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. It's Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, part of the Panhandle story for 75 years. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back into Panhandle Live. It is the Wednesday edition. I finally got my script. <laughs> finally got my script. It's uh, November 17th, and uh, you may be aware that hunting season is around the corner. Uh, it's starting up next Monday, as a matter of fact. And uh, we wanted to get some folks in who could tell us how to stay safe out there and how to not you know, get any kind of citations or anything while we're out in the woods. And uh, we're happy to be joined this morning by West Virginia Natural Police Sergeant. Oh, nope. Still trying to get him? Okay. Um, the DNR will be on with us uh, right directly. And uh, so hopefully we'll have him on. Give me just one second here. Yeah, I guess you had to. Well, that's it's fine. I'm really glad that he could come on in such sh- short notice. We're having a bit of technical issues. But speaking of hunting, I wanted to let folks know that all next week, with the exception Hello? of Thanksgiving Hello? Day, hey, Monday Sergeant through, um, I think it's Friday or Saturday, hey, during the sorry, hunting season, you, the Tomahawk Ruritan Club seconds, is going okay? to have their hunter's breakfast Perfect, beginning at 5 a.m. I think it's 5 to 11 to have that breakfast. So whether you're in the woods or not, it'll be a nice place to go and get some really good uh, home cooking. Well done, Marcia. So, I appreciate you treading water for me there. So for now, a thankfully, I'm so glad that uh, West Virginia Natural Resources Police Sergeant Michael Lott uh, answered my call this morning and answered our several calls yeah. to be on to talk about hunter safety. Welcome in. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on. Okay, so this is the big dance, right? The firearm season for, for deer. Can you lay out what is happening schedule-wise in the coming week? Well, it um, starts out um, Monday, November 22nd is our, um, we call it the antlered firearm season, and that's typically the big, biggest biggest hunting season that we have for the year. We get more people out in the woods for that time time than we do a lot the rest of the year, so it, it's a busy time for us. So we're getting to that time of the year where when I'm uh, driving on the interstates or driving around, I'm going to start seeing random cars and trucks and whatnot stopped on the side of the road for a few hours, and then when I come back, they'll be gone. Oh yeah, yep, yep. We get we get calls for that all year. Oh, I guarantee it. <laughs> so um, obviously, West Virginia is a, a state rooted in tradition of folks, uh, family members going out hunting and all of that. Some of it happens in the way early morning hours, but uh, the DNR uh, police, the Natural Resources Police police are tasked with making sure folks stay safe and do their hunting under the law. So what should folks in the Panhandle and West Virginia in general know about hunting and hunting safety? Well, that's just, that's just it. Despite, despite popular um, belief, uh, we don't like to go out there and just write everybody tickets. That's not what our purpose is. Our purpose is we want it. We want people to be safe. And we want people to be legal. And the main thing that that's helped out since the early or the 1970s is the new Blaze Orange Law. Or I don't say new; it's an older law. But wearing that 400 square inches of Blaze Orange when you're in the field doesn't matter if you're sitting in your tree stand, walking through the woods, whatever it is, keeping that Blaze Orange on. That 400 square inches of Blaze Orange has helped immensely with our hunting incidents that we have throughout the state. 
without throughout the state. Yeah, I always thought. Well, I'm I'm not. I will preface this with I'm not a hunter or an outdoorsman by any means. But I've always thought uh, it was kind of. Not strange, but different that, you know, hunters had to wear all the bright orange. I always thought like, yeah, if you're on the woods, you, you can tell the difference between a person walking around or a deer or a bear or whatever, you know, you're out uh, trying to, to get, you know, you can tell the difference between that. But, you know, I've come to find out as years have gone on that, yeah, if you're walking around the woods, you sound just like a deer. And I know people are out there itching to get that deer uh, and they'll probably, you know, pull the trigger if they think they see one. Sure. Absolutely. They want, they want to feel those tags. They want, they want to get... They want to put uh, meat in their freezers. They want they want to do that, and that that was the that was the big thing. And and I remember even back in hunting camp with with my grandparents, my uncles, listening to them say, "Deer season's in. If it's brown, it's down." Mm-hmm. That's not the attitude to have. I mean, um, there's we we tell our kids, we tell people in our safety courses, there's not a deer, there's not a game animal, there's not an animal in the forest that you're after that is worth hurting or injuring something, someone or something that you don't intend to shoot. So make sure you identify it from the tip of its nose to the end of its tail before you make the decision to pull that trigger. Wow. So I have, I'm going to ask you a bit of a silly question, but I know that hunters go out and they, they buy, you know, head to toe camouflage and then they've got this blaze orange vest on. Can the deer see the blaze orange? What? You you know, I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna diss on the um, camouflage companies by any means, but um, a lot of a lot of uh, camouflage a deer is by scent and movement. Their eyes attracted to movement, just like ours or any other um, animal out there. If you're moving, they're gonna key on that, and then your scent. If you go out um, uh, smelling like McDonald's breakfast, for example, a deer's gonna know that that's not not something they're used to in the woods, so they're gonna. They're going to key on that also. So maybe so blaze orange. The blaze orange is there. Yes, the camouflage does help out, but if you're maintaining those disciplines with scent and um, and movement, you're going to be ahead of the game also. Hey, you think about it. People were out there harvesting deer a long time ago in jeans and bright red flannels and different hats and whatnot. So they were getting the job exactly. done without all the flannel or without all the uh, camo. Exactly. Exactly. And again, it does it help. I'm not going to say it doesn't. It, it does by all means. It, it does help out mask your movement and stuff. But um, I'd rather be safe with blaze orange than to um, take a chance of getting hurt mm-hmm. not wearing it. Our guest this morning, West Virginia Natural Resources Police Sergeant Michael Lott. So can you break down to us who's allowed to be in the woods hunting? Like, is there a specific age range and uh, what kinds of licenses do folks need to have? Perfect. The um, as far as licenses, um, anybody's allowed to be in the woods as long as they're a legal license. Anybody over the age of fifteen years old, fifteen and older, are required to buy a license. Now, there's different prices for youth versus an adult, um, but anybody over fifteen has to have a license. Anybody under the age of fifteen years old can be in the woods, but they have to have a licensed adult with them, close enough to render immediate assistance. So that's not saying. Here, you sit on this ridge, and I'll be on the other one with a cell phone. You call me if you have a problem. That's close enough to render assistance that if that um, youth hunter points the gun in the wrong direction or makes a poor decision, they can be right there to put hands on and say, look, that's not right. 
All right, so I'm going to so, ask you another uh, maybe silly question, but uh, you're pretty much talking to me. This is a question from me, pretty much. So say okay. uh, you, a newbie, a newbie, right? A newbie. Say I'm getting ready to go out in the woods with a buddy of mine that's been hunting forever. You know, family member, what have you, with a seasoned hunter. Say I'm going out there for the first time. What are some of your tips for a first time, you know, hunter out there in the woods? I tell I'll tell a lot of kids this, um, and number one thing is you hear this all the time is you'll be sitting along the road, getting ready to go in the woods and you see my truck or one of my, um, another officer's truck pull up and they say, there's the game warden. If your heart jumps and you're scared, double check with make sure you're legal. <laughs> you might be do- yeah. You might be doing something wrong. If I don't you get know. Nervous. I think, I, I think I would just be nervous anyway. <laughs> you, you are, there's that natural tendency to be nervous, but you shouldn't have to look over it. Make sure you're legal. Number one, because, we're there. We want we want people to be successful. I tell I tell my supervisors all the time that I'd rather come in on a hunting season with zero tickets and have a hundred percent compliance. That's a successful season to me. Um, but as a as a new hunter, um, we have websites uh, w or gov, and you can go on our hunting section and it gives you the season dates. It talks about poaching. It talks about meat handling recipes even gives you hunting maps of public hunting areas, trapping, just a whole gamut of information on there. And a lot of people com- complain or say that our regulations, well, they're, they're hard to understand. Where we run into problems is they sit around the campfire at deer camp and they say, hey, what's the law on this particular thing, whether it be a doe or a buck or whatever. And they all make a decision at deer camp. Well, then when we roll in, that it turns out to be the wrong decision. <laughs> but we we have we have the regulations available, and they they can be tricky to understand sometimes. But our office is open from eight thirty to four thirty Monday through Friday. Um, we we dispatch through the nine one one just like um, uh, state police or sheriff's department. We're available. That if you have a question, I've had people call me on my cell phone and said, "Hey, Mike, I'm sitting in my tree stand. I have a deer in front of me. Um, is this legal that I do this?" Goodness, well, that sure. takes a little okay. bit of composure to be able to give you a call yeah. while they got a deer in front of them. But yeah, it, it does. It, I mean, it does. But they want to make sure that they're right. I would appreciate that call versus me seeing you at the Seven Eleven getting the hot chocolate and being in the wrong and end up end up um, issuing citations and, and taking your taking your game animal. So I want to make sure that uh, that we ask you some of these questions, and I don't expect this your answer to be comprehensive because you did refer folks to the website for the regulations. But you mentioned sure. poaching, of course, salt blocks and um, spotlighting and spotlighting. Talk about what could get someone a citation. Our biggest thing right now, one of our one of our biggest things is um, loaded firearms in vehicles. People need to have those guns unloaded when they put them in their vehicles. For some reason, they don't want to take the bullets out of them, the shells out of them. We have so many incidents or accidents happen because of that. So loaded firearms in the vehicle will get you hunting along the roadways, um, trespassing. And that's, that's some, one of my pet peeves because somebody will say, well, the land's not posted, so I'm going to hunt it. Well, it's not your land. Don't go on it. I'm not going to go sit on your porch and eat the tomatoes out of your garden just because you don't have a sign in your yard. Mm-hmm. Okay, but hundred percent. Kind of <laughs> wow, um, the things like that. Um, uh, Again, we're speaking it's, with it's, Westford. It's, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> uh, it's just it's just simple common sense things that that are in the laws um, that people violate that are just simple that they overlook. 
So if a hunter has gone out and gotten a really great buck with a really big rack, like 16 mm-hmm. point or whatever, I'm making things up. But then they, <laughs> sure. they're out the next day and they see a, an even better one and they want to get that one too. Is there a harvest limit? There is. Um, and it's, it's county per- specific. Different counties have different rules. So that's get into the regulations, find out what county you're hunting in. For example, if I, if I'm out there in, in buck season, you can buy an extra buck stamp. However, there, there are, um, certain counties that say you have to harvest a doe in between your two deer or sometime in that season or prior to harvesting that second buck in that county. So some counties are like that. Some of them are not. So make sure that you know the specific, um, regulations for your county yeah we're speaking with west virginia natural resources police sergeant michael lott uh talking about hunter safety since uh, the big buck and you know uh deer season's coming up here in just a few dance. days absolutely coming up here in just a few days in the state of west virginia now before we let you go we have to get to our last break uh do you have any you know cool hunting stories maybe you went out there when you were a kid with your dad your grandparents got a big deer or your first deer any cool stories from out in the woods my my best stories um, have to be with with my kids um, or even with others. We have a program with the DNR that we we take kids on a youth season, take them out, take them out for their first hunt. Kids that don't have an opportunity per se, and going out going out with these these kids hunting. And some some of my best time are watching, not necessarily harvesting for myself, but watching a first time hunter take them. And it it's happened. Um, I had a I had a young man with me and he harvested his first deer and um he got real quiet and and, and solemn on me and I said are you okay he said I just took a life and I said yes you did and he said I'm just trying to process that and and I said well I said how do you feel about that he said well um I, he said I'm going to use the meat to feed my family and to do this and we're going to have deer meat and all that and I said, that's exactly how you you should be. That's a grown-up thinking right there, that it's not just going out and shooting bullets through animals as much as you can. It's, there's there's a reason behind that and harvesting an animal, making making use of that meat. Um, the, kid was, the kid was only 12 years old, but that spoke volumes that he stood back and thought about that for a while and made, made it surreal to him that it wasn't just going out and taking a life. It was actually using that animal that he harvested for positive purposes. Again, West Virginia Natural Resources Police Sergeant Michael Lott. Thank you for taking a little bit of time. Sorry for how kind of crazy it was there at the beginning, but thank you for taking a little time out of your day to chat with us here on Panhandle Live. No problem. No problem. Absolutely. Have a good season this year. Y'all take care. All right. Stick around for more here on Panhandle Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Taking local stories and sharing them with the four state. This is Panhandle Live. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, attorneys at law. Welcome back to Panhandle Live, of course, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full-service law firm in West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs. You can visit their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. You can always find them online at suttonandjanelle.com. I'm Jordan Icewarner. Alongside me is Marsha Kabalik. If you missed any of the show so far, at the beginning, we had Martinsburg City Manager Mark Baldwin and Assistant City Manager Andy Blake in to talk about all the uh, big things that are happening around Martinsburg. It seems to be coming. It seems to be a new big thing 
every week. Uh, Love it. That's coming on. That uh, is pretty cool. Yeah. And then, of course, before the uh, last break, we had West Virginia Natural Resources Police Sergeant Michael Lott on to talk about hunter safety and uh, all things revolving around the woods as we are uh, inching closer to uh, deer season. The official start uh, mm-hmm. or the big start, I guess, of deer season here in the state. Which, which is, is kind of like a like a national holiday if you're mm-hmm. a West Virginia native who loves to hunt. So. Absolutely. So if you missed any of that, you can always listen back to it a little bit later on today over on our Panhandle Live Facebook page or on our Panhandle Live Spotify page. So, yeah. so I thought that was like chock full of good information, especially, you know, as the two of us who are not really hunters, <laughs> you know. He was really good about distilling the information down. Now, do you think that as soon as we started asking questions that he thought to himself, wow, these people have no idea about hunting or the woods? Well, to his credit, <laughs> I if he like did. I feel like a couple of my questions definitely sounded like that. If he did, he didn't let on, which was very classy of him. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but, but I've always um, wanted to go out hunting. I just don't know. I feel like I would kind of be like that kid he was talking about that he uh, that they had in that in the program, like the young hunters program mm-hmm. that he was talking about. Uh, I kind of feel like I'd be like that. I, I mean, I'm sure it would be exhilarating to do it. I've seen videos of like kids and people getting their first deer and they're mm-hmm. shaking because they're so right. excited and nervous. Um, so I'm sure that that would be a, a incredible experience. But then it is uh, you do kind of have to think about it. like wow, I just kind of I harvest this. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of for no reason, but there is a reason because as right. long as you use the deer. So, and there are lots, even if you aren't someone who's going to eat deer meat or make deer jerky, um, you can donate your deer. You can find somebody like me that's not going to go out hunting, but loves the deer jerky okay. and deer bologna and stuff like that. I like so, to buy products. So, it, I mean, it's a whole culture. There are folks who've grown up and little kids who know how to, mm-hmm. you know, dress down a deer and all that after, after it's been killed. So, you know, there there are plenty of ways that the deer doesn't have to go to waste. And, uh, you know, I think Disney did us a disservice in uh, bringing, you know, those doe-eyed uh, creatures like Bambi because now people feel bad about it. But I honestly, wonder if that movie had an impact on the hunting world. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. But when you think about it, when we have a state like we have with a higher than we have the highest average of deer strikes Mm-hmm. of automobiles interacting with deer in the nation. And so the the herd has to be thin somehow. Right. You know, and, um, you know, you you can't, you know, it's not always humane, I guess. Mm-hmm. But most responsible hunters that I know um, wouldn't leave a deer suffering. Of course. So, uh, you know, it has to, so the deer, the herd has to be thinned. People use the resources for, you know, food for their families mm-hmm. as, as uh, the sergeant mentioned so and it's you know part of folks culture yeah, it's a culture around here for sure, sure. and uh, i would ask you if you have any hunting stories but we found out yesterday that you do not sadly no yeah your brother got all that and the yeah. beagles your brother right. and the beagles <laughs> uh, but that does uh, kind of trigger in my brain about the urban deer mm-hmm. management that's going on uh, in the city of martinsburg itself i wish i'd have remembered this when we had uh, city manager mark baldwin and assistant manager 
Andy, Andy Blake, Blake on mm-hmm. to uh, talk about it. But uh, it says here on the cityofmartinsburg.org website, the 2020-2021 Urban Deer Hunt commences, of course, on September 4th. So that it's our, the window is already open and goes all the way through December 31st and then kicks back up January 10th through January 31st. Now, if uh, you're hearing urban deer management and thinking you're going to hear guns going off all over the place, you know, in the Just woods around your house. picturing people with their hunting rifles right. going down the sidewalk. That's right. not the case. Could you imagine? But no, um, no that is not the case. It is only... Only crossbows and bows. So there you go. So you're not going to have to worry about any of that happening. But I think that's pretty cool because it, it is kind of strange when you're driving around town and then a deer pops out of like an alley or something. Have you ever seen that? No. You've never seen that's that? happened to you? I haven't seen it here, but I've seen it in different places. Wow. I've even seen that in like, I've seen, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen a pack of deer sprinting through downtown Baltimore before through the Inner Harbor. Really? Yep. That's something you don't see every day. No, they must have gotten like stuck in uh, Druid Hill Park or one of the parks around Patterson Park. And then where it's all because there's a lot of wood air quotes, woodland area mm-hmm. in Baltimore. And then wow. they must got spooked. And yeah, and then it's off. that was uh, that was definitely a moment you see that. And you kind of have to step back and think, what? Like, am I right? Did I just see that? <laughs> like, like, what was in that drink? Like, what happened? So I don't know if Mark and Andy are still listening, but I know that you could get behind maybe not a hunt. But a feral cat corralling <laughs> in the town, you know, maybe people could just come out with big nets and stuff and uh, then find a place for the feral cats to I live know. out their days that isn't the city. And I finally found out who one of the stray cat feeding culprits is in my... And you call them culprits. Mm-hmm. They, they might just be sympathetic, loving, are, compassionate individuals. However, she's such a sweet lady too, and I felt bad because I definitely started. Did you confront her? Yes. <gasps> you confronted the lady who's yeah. been feeding the feral well, cats. Well, well, I did. All right, explain I saw yourself. Her. So I was getting back from uh, the radio station one day. I think it was last week, and I saw all these dang cats all over the place. So near your building, I go. Yeah, I go to park, and I'm walking back, and I'm seeing all these cats running around, and then um, I see behind like uh, there's I don't know like a generator or something right on the. I walk see behind there. I see somebody ducking down with a bag of food. Ducking down. It's like to, there's bowls out. Like people put bowls oh, out. So it's the turned into was a whole thing. Crouching whole to thing. feed the cat, correct. not hiding. From correct. You. Correct. There's a correct. difference in the way that you're yes. characterizing yes. this. Yes. Yes. They were crouching down. They were to ducking. Feed the, yeah. They were ducking to feed. <laughs> they were not the, uh, ducking to feed, to feed the cats. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go say something. Wow, you made that decision. You walked yeah. over all like six a, foot plus of I'm you. I'm a uh, I'm a sucker for a uh, kind of a quip, right? If you will. But so I walked over and I didn't, I couldn't see who it was. And then when she stood up, I was like, oh no. It's like, I still had to go through with saying something, but I was like, man, she's so nice. She's like directly across the hall neighbor. Like I see her all the time, all the time. So I walk over, I'm like, abort, abort. Nope. I walk over and I said, so you've, so you're the one that's been feeding all these cats. How'd you say it? Do you say it just like that? Uh, Maybe, I mean, maybe a little (laughs) bit more sarcastic, (laughs) maybe a little bit more condescending. Um, But she pops up. She's like, oh, yeah, I know. She's like, these cats are just so sweet. I feel so bad. I'm like, oh, why'd you have to say that? Oh. I was like, I wish she would have just been like, yeah, what's it to you? Or like, come yelled at me. I wish she would have done that mm-hmm. instead of been like that. And I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, well, they don't bother me. Because, of course, then you I had said, to. <laughs> you said a lie? They said, well, don't bother me. I was like, but they bother my dog. I was like, they're gonna, he's going to rip my arm uh. off one of these times and go after these cats. She's like, oh, I know, but I feel so bad. So. You didn't win that one. You did no, not win that round at close. all. Didn't even come that close to winning that. That almost sounded like you encouraged her to keep going. Didn't even come close to winning it. <laughs> that was a fail. So. <laughs> You're never going to get rid of those cats now. No.
you got to petition the city. You got to do a cat corral. Eh, what are you going to do? Cat roundup. It might just be one of those battles that I'll just never be able to win. You you know what would help if you just had a kitten on your lap at some point and just like understood well, how important well, kittens so that, are. So these cats are starting. So it's not just my the people <laughs> in my building that are like all over these cats now. It's starting to trickle through the rest of the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So I'll... I'll like be coming back, be driving around, walk the dog, doing something out out about, and I'll see uh, people just sitting on their stoops, petting these cats, feeding these cats. I'm like, come on, people! <laughs> like you have no idea what you're doing to the rest of us in this community. Well, maybe you need to go and confront them <clears throat> too. <laughs> maybe. Well, pra- practice makes perfect. Well, you'll, anyway, you'll get it right. <laughs> anyways, if you missed any of today's Panhandle Live, you can listen back to it a little bit later on today on our Panhandle Live. Facebook and Spotify page, but for Marsh Kabbalah, I'm Jordan Icewarer. It's been Panhandle Live with WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here, too.